Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, riding solo today. Uh, Scott's off camping right now. He was able to catch the game. Uh, thankfully, due to technology, we, we can also rewatch the game thanks to Hulu, live on uh, live sports, whatever they, they have on their commercials. But holy cow, what a game, man. Uh, I'm very excited to sit down and, and kind of talk about that. I wanted to make sure that I got something out because I'm not sure how we're going to work this week just due to, to Scott being off for Labor Day. Um, we'll figure something out. But for now, I wanted to make sure I get something in the feed here. I'm actually going to post this uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, right now, it's late Saturday, early Sunday, depending on uh, how you want to look at the clock situation. But we're coming off just a, an awesome day of college football in general, but we're going to talk Michigan State here because that was that was not in my range of outcomes. So, so we go into every game and you think, okay, what could happen? You, you have your predictions. You have here's what I think will happen, but you have your range of outcomes, right? Worst case scenario – you law you lose similar to like Rutgers last year, the home opener. Uh, you lose, it's ugly, there's turnovers, sloppy play, poor tackling, et cetera, et cetera. The best case scenario for me was not this. I I really didn't think this was in the range of outcomes to come out, run for over 300 yards as a team. The first time that Michigan State has done that since 2014 against Indiana to to come out with eight yards per play on offense. I mean, we outgained Northwestern by over 100 yards running about 20 fewer plays. You come out with 23 first downs, uh, 11 of them via rushing, 11 of them passing one from a penalty at the the balance on that is incredible to see obviously Kenneth Walker we'll talk about him the most electric debut I've ever seen from a Michigan State player let alone running back uh just looking explosive making people miss 
the offensive line. Holy cow. Chris Kapilovich got these guys ready to play. Uh, Jarrett Horst looked like a man among boys out there. We will talk about all of it. Uh, Scott is going to come back on the pod this week, and obviously he's going to want to share his thoughts as well. So what I wanted to do is just make sure that I have something in the feed for you guys Sunday, Monday here, whenever you're listening. It's Labor Day weekend, obviously, so I know a lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are out having family barbecues, doing whatever it is you're doing. Wanted to make sure that there was something in the feed to for you. So when you're driving, when you're walking the dog, uh, you have a Michigan State recap to listen to because we know local sports media in, in Metro Detroit, if that's where you currently reside. It's all going to be about how great J.J. McCarthy was in the Michigan opener and you know how they beat down Western Michigan and it's Jim Harbaugh's finally breaking through with this. And we know what it's like. So I wanted to give you guys, make sure that you have a Michigan State podcast in your feed here. After, again, a crazy day of college football, when you have that Friday night opener, people forget about it, man. And I've already, I've already heard... You know, just from from listening to the commentary, from listening to the halftime shows, from listening to the post game stuff, uh, people have definitely already forgotten about that game. So obviously, we haven't. We'll touch on it. I got some good stats here. I've got some good information and and some takes. I, I've got a lot of takeaways from this game. And again, the 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 biggest thing is just that I didn't see this coming. Uh, Scott and I both picked us to win this game. Uh, we were three-point underdogs, according to our friends in the desert. And we both predicted us to win this game straight up. Obviously, we did that. Uh, but not in the fashion that I think either of us would have expected. I think I can I can speak for Scott in, in that one. We were texting during the game. And it was just really speechless for a lot of it. Just not what we saw coming. Let's let's just face it. I, I think if you're sitting out there right now and said, yep, this is exactly what I predicted, you're lying to yourself, man. There is no way anybody saw this coming from the standpoint of just dominating the line of scrimmage the way we did on both sides of the ball. We we if we're looking at the total team rushing stats, Michigan State 326, Northwestern 117. We outrushed them by over 200 yards on one fewer attempt. 8.8 yards per carry for Michigan State, 3.1 for Northwestern. It's just this is incredible, man. I I. I don't know where to start with this. So what I'm going to do is I am going to actually go position by position because when I know when Scott comes back, it'll be more just kind of conversational. So when I'm touching this on my own, I'm going to be a little more structured. I'm going to go position by position. I'm going to give you a couple takeaways from each position group, and then I'm going to give you a couple kind of general oversight type things that I saw as well for this game. So obviously we're going to start with the quarterback if we're going position by position. Peyton Thorne comes in. Obviously, you know, the news kind of leaked right before the game started. If you were on Twitter, the the beat reporters were on site there and 
noting that that he was taking the first team snaps with the with the pregame warmups from Matt Allen and and that's when we started to to kind of realize okay so Peyton Thorne's going to start how is this going to affect the game plan what are we looking for and what we saw is a good game manager what we saw is exactly what we would have hoped as Peyton Thorne takes that next step in his second year as a starter he he really commanded this offense well you could see that he has put in the time in the film room to really understand where to go with the football, when to go with the football, not force the ball into tough spots, and just trust his playmakers to to make plays and to bail him out when when they needed a third down, when they needed a big play. He knew he was going to Jaden Reed most of the time, but uh, he knew that he didn't have to force a dumb throw because he knew that the the following play, he could count on just handing the ball off to Kenneth Walker and having him make a play for him. He knew he could count on just getting the ball into Jaden Reed's hands and him making a play for him. He didn't have to force anything. He didn't have to go out there and try to play hero ball. He took what was there and, and played a really good game, I thought. Uh, the biggest thing that I saw was a huge, huge improvement from last year in terms of being patient in the pocket. This is something we talked about a lot last season when he was in there and something we talked about quite a bit this offseason is that he got happy feet in the pocket. And, and what I mean by that was he got just a little bit skittish. When there wasn't even pressure in his face, he was trying to escape the pocket, roll out, and, and make a play uh, outside the tackle box. Uh, on Friday night, he didn't do that. On Friday night, he stayed disciplined. He trusted his offensive line to to keep that clean pocket for him and, and sit in there, step up in the pocket when he needed to, and make a big throw. And when nothing was there, he would he took a sack. He He threw the ball out of bounds. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. And when we look at some of the playmakers we have, be it Kenneth Walker, be it Jaden Reed, be it Jalen Naylor, Trey Mosley making plays out there, heck, Connor Hayward making plays out there, huh? You don't need to be the hero. You don't need to force the ball into tight windows. You can just kind of live and live to fight another down and trust that somebody's going to make a play next down. Somebody's going to play make a play on the next play. So Peyton Thorne, I thought, did a really good job of that. And the last thing I wrote down is he trusts he trusts Jaden Reed like a dog trusts its owner, man. You could see every big spot he was looking his way. Uh, he threw down into double coverage one time uh, that I didn't really like. It was a post route down the middle uh, in the first quarter, I think that was. Uh, but he had that J- Jaden Reed had that jump ball. That's that's a big highlight from the game that we saw replayed over and over again. Uh, he he definitely just kind of looked his way and said, "Well, he's got a corner draped all over him, but I know my guy can go out there and get it." So he trusts Jaden Reed in those big spots. Uh, but he made a couple nice throws. He missed a couple throws for sure. Uh, there was one that I noted where uh, Jalen Naylor was running. Uh, this was towards the left sideline. Thorne was rolling left as well, and he just had to flick it out to him. There there was nobody on Naylor. He could have caught it and ran for another 8, 9, 10 yards, and he tried to just fire a fastball into him, and he was standing five yards away. 
and and it went right off a nailer's hands and and that was a drop for sure but at the end of the day i think that one's on thorn man you you got to give your receiver a nice catchable ball there was nobody around him there was no need to fire that in there but ultimately i thought peyton thorn played a really solid game and if he's going to keep playing ball like this and we know our playmakers can can go out there and make plays this is going to be a good offense running backs holy cow Golly, man, Kenneth Walker. I so I thought the hype train was starting to get a little bit out of control. I did, and I talked about it on the podcast. I, you know, I th- I think this is going to be a little more of a committee than we think it will. I think there's a lot of hype about this Kenneth Walker being a workhorse guy, and I like the talent. But I, I the thing for me was I just I liked the other running backs in the room. I liked Eli Collins. I liked Jordan Simmons. I like Harold Joyner. I said, yeah, this Kenneth Walker kid, he's really good, but so are these other backs. Well, it turns out I was I was wrong. It turns out Kenneth Walker is the real deal, man. He was making people miss. He was going out there, and, and just when he puts his foot in the ground, it's something special. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. It's it's. I, 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 we don't really have anybody to compare to Kenneth Walker. I, there were a lot of Le'Veon Bell comparisons before the season because of his patient kind of running style. And you can see something like that, but that first step explosiveness, man, I, I can't remember seeing something like it. It's, it's really special. 264 yards. It's the seventh best game in terms of rushing yardage in MSU history. Is the most by uh, a Spartan in a season opener. Is the most in the in the uh, in a player's first start, and, and all of that. He, it's the first 200 yard rushing game by a single player since Le'Veon Bell did it against Minnesota. It was just a really impressive performance. He was beating people to the edge with speed. He was running people over when he for we was forced to make contact. He was running through arm tackles. I mean. This kid's special, and if we can if we can continue to open up holes, we'll get to the offensive line. Uh, this running game, I I wrote down during the game, man. If if we can run the ball, and and we're not going to run for three hundred and forty yards or whatever is three hundred twenty six yards every night. You know, we're not going to go out there and have a two hundred fifty yard rusher every day. It's just it's not going to happen. We're going to play you know, teams that, that really put eight men in the box that, that have a better defensive line, uh, that, that can contain gaps better than Northwestern did. We're not going to do this every game, but if we can go out there and run for five, six yards of carry every game, you know, and again, we're not going to run for eight. We're not going to run for nine every game. We can go out there and run for five every game. That definitely changes things. That that's something I didn't really see coming this year, and that's something that's going to make a difference. Uh, behind Kenneth Walker, I was a bit surprised. I didn't see Eli Collins all day. Uh, I've watched this game like one and a half times. I, I watched it live, and then um, I came back. I watched most of I about a, a halfway through the third quarter. Um, I, I watched the first half, and then uh, halfway through the third quarter. And then I watched just kind of the quick cut long highlights just to kind of get a feel for, you know, remembering what happened in the fourth quarter once it was already a bit out of hand. But, 
you know, for, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see Eli Collins out there. Jordan Simmons was pretty clearly the number two. Uh, he took, I, I think, five carries in the game. Uh, he had that one screen pass uh, that he took to the house. It was, um, where was that? A a 14-yard touchdown catch uh, on the screen pass on the left side in the red zone there. <clears throat> Simmons took five carries for 10 yards. Um, like I said, before the, the game, before the season, I really liked what Jordan Simmons did last year. So I'm really happy to see him um, go out there and, and be the number two, be the clear number two guy behind Kenneth Walker. Harold Joyner got in there quite a bit on third down. Uh, I'm interested to see the the exact exact snap count, but he was out there quite a bit. He took three carries for 12 yards uh, and then took that hit in the fourth quarter that knocked him out of the game. I hope he's okay. That that was a tough look, getting the hit right to the helmet. I want to make sure that I emphasize, I mentioned this on Twitter too, it was not a targeting. I, I think a lot of people were calling for, for a targeting. They were calling for a dirty play. I don't think it was a dirty play. It was just a football play, man. He was going in uh, to, to try to put his hat on the ball. And then whoever the Northwestern defender was, he came up behind Joyner. And if if Joyner was still running upright, that's that's a helmet to the ball. That's a helmet to the shoulder. That's that's not a helmet to helmet hit. But the guy tripped him up from behind just at the wrong time. And, and you know where a helmet was going right for the ball, that helmet now went to to Joiner's helmet. That stuff happens in a split second. There's nothing you can do about it. Football's a violent game, and we got to remember that. So for anybody calling that North Northwestern kid dirty or anything like, that, I I disagree. Uh, but hopefully Joiner's okay. Uh, that was a tough shot that he took. Seemed to get up under his own power a little bit there, but uh, you know, really rooting for him. Maybe that opens the door for Eli Collins next week. Obviously, we got Youngstown State. It's a game we should be up early and often. Um, so I, I think we're going to get a lot of guys seeing carries. I don't think we're going to get 23 carries from Kenneth Walker because hopefully we won't need them. We can save those legs for for later in the season when we will. But I'm, I'm interested to see what that rotation looks like next week when you know we're not really relying on him to to continue to make plays in a Big Ten game. <clears throat> but man, those running backs look good. Again, I like Jordan Simmons as a number two. I think he he can go out there and make plays. Uh, wide receiver, uh, you know, not not too much to write home about here. It it looked exactly how we thought we would. Jaden Reed went out there and and looked really good. It, he made a couple really nice plays on the ball, <clears throat> got open. Uh, there was the one catch and run that he had where he basically turned into a punt returner on in the fourth quarter late. Uh, he was avoiding the the sideline there. He cut it back inside, made a couple people miss. Jaden Reed looked really good. Uh, Trey Mosley, I, I said I th- I thought he would be the number three for sure. Uh, he was the number three, four catches, 59 yards. He had that beautiful catch on the sideline. Uh, he had a really nice day. Jalen Naylor had two catches for 20 yards, uh, but both of them for first downs. Uh, I thought he he played pretty well. Just he he was getting. We got to remember this Northwestern defensive backfield is really good. Um, and and Jalen Naylor, you could tell that they were kind of bracketing the coverage off. They didn't want him to go out there and beat him deep. So he wasn't really getting that opportunity for a deep shot. Uh, but I thought he played well. 
Uh, and then you had Terry Lockett out there. I saw for a couple reps. Uh, didn't really see much else, though. I think you're you're going to get a lot of those top three guys in in Reed, Naylor, and Mosley as long as they're healthy. Uh, that seems like the pretty clear cut one, two, three in this offense. Uh, not really much else to write home about there. Besides one important note, the downfield blocking by these guys. I love to see that man. Those stock blocking drills really paid off. Uh, Jaden Reed had a, a key block on that opening touchdown by Kenneth Walker, that 75 yard touchdown. Jaden Reed blew that thing open with a block. Uh, you had Jalen Naylor going up there and filling a hole against a linebacker. I mean, got, guys, these guys are bought in. These wide receivers, these playmakers, this defense, they are bought into what Mel Tucker is selling. And that is clear from the way that these receivers are blocking. It it seems like something really small, but a wide receiver doesn't go out there and block his ass off. A wide receiver doesn't go out there at 180 pounds or whatever Jalen Naylor is and try to fill a fill a hole against a middle linebacker if he's not bought into the team. If he's not bought into the coaches, if he's not bought in to to what they're trying to do. Uh, on that side of the ball. So that was awesome to see. That just shows effort. That shows heart. That shows buy-in in general from the team, from the coaching staff. So really excited to see that. The way that these guys play together was just awesome. Uh, tight ends, I really the only thing to note was that Connor Hayward looked good in that role. Three catches, 28 yards. He had that diving catch in the first quarter. He had that play on the left sideline where he broke four tackles or whatever it was, just powering through defenders on the way to the first down. Uh, he looked really good in that role. We know he can block. We know he's got good hands. Uh, I think Connor Hayward's going to make an impact in this offense more than we thought he would. I forget who on Twitter had the the take that Connor Hayward would be third in the team in receptions. Well, he is after the first game with three catches, so we'll see if that pace keeps up. I, I'm sure Jalen Naylor will have something to say about that. But uh, yeah, Connor Hayward looked good in that role. I, I saw Tyler Hunt out there quite a bit. Good blocking. Uh, he he went out there and did his job. But uh, didn't see any Trenton Gillison out there. Didn't see any Malik Carr out there. It looks like it's going to be a lot of Connor Hayward and Tyler Hunt at tight end. Offensive line. Wow. Uh, Jarrett Horst, I think, makes Kenneth Walker gets the highlight, right? If if we're talking the transfers who came in and made an impact, Kenneth Walker, ob obviously and deservedly so, is going to get all the praise coming out of this week. But I want to make sure that that Spartan fans know how impressive Jarrett Horst was in watching it live in rewatching it. He was burying dudes on that left side of the line. If, if you remember, like half of those big runs were on the left side. Half of those were opened up by Jarrett Horst just bullying the dude in front of him. I, I mean, it was it was impressive. And he got a personal foul late. But the way I, I, I brought this up on Twitter as well, if he's going to go out there and bury dudes for four quarters the way he did, I'll take a personal foul from time to time. That That's a mentality play. That's just... You are just embarrassing the guy in front of you for four quarters. And if if you get one penalty out of that, so be it. But man, he was making his presence felt out there. Chris Kapilovich did a hell of a job with this group. And and that was one where 
going back to last offseason when Mel Tucker was hired, he brought in his guys. Kapilovich was one of the first people he brought in and was somebody that we were really excited to see. Just didn't get enough practice time with them last year. And and we said going into this offseason, that's going to be huge because an offensive line, you know, for as much as, okay, a skill guy can go out there and, and learn his route tree and he can go practice on his own and you're not going to get the same chemistry with the quarterback not being out there in practice. But, you know, you can go out there and practice to some extent. The offensive line not being able to be together in person, in practice with people against them you're not going to get anything over Zoom from the standpoint of the offensive line. So finally having a full spring, finally having a full fall camp with these guys, you can see made a heck of a difference in what they were doing. They were opening up holes left and right. And it was it was just really impressive. From, from top to bottom, we saw eight guys out there playing significant reps, which I thought was really interesting. So you had... The starting group, Horst at left tackle, Duplain at left guard, Allen at center, Jarvis at right guard, Arcuri at right tackle. They played pretty much the whole first quarter, but then right at the end of the first quarter, there was a drive where they brought in uh, Matt Carrick, Nick Samek, and Blake Boyder on the interior. And then they kept those guys in there for a drive. They actually were they were it there for the Jordan Simmons screen pass for the touchdown. They were the guys out there, uh, you know, blowing up people downfield. I thought that was really interesting. I, I was kind of confused by it, to be honest, because the offensive line was doing such a good job. Uh, I didn't really see why they needed to rotate in uh, other bodies to to get them a look for for are they still competing for those starting jobs i'm not sure i thought that was weird they came in a couple more times and they always came in as a unit which i thought was interesting too it was it was never just carrot coming in it was never just boyder coming in it was those three rotating in together and then those three rotating out together so that's going to be something to keep an eye on that was that was kind of random I'm not really sure what to make of it, but that was something I noticed while watching it live and I wanted to go back and see. And yeah, it was it was kind of strange. So keep an eye on that interior rotation. That was that was a bit weird. Um, Luke Campbell came in. I think he played like three snaps and then got hurt again. I, I feel so bad for that kid. He, he's been he was in the class of 2016. He had to take a medical red shirt. He had to to sit out so many games to this point in his career uh he was down to like 250 pounds or something like last off season and just finally worked himself back worked himself back into a lineup worked his body back into to being able to go out there and play big 10 football go out there and get hurt again i i just i feel terrible for the kid Really good player, just was never able to stay healthy and stay on the field. So Campbell, hopefully he's he's okay and he can keep he can come in and be a meaningful backup for us. Um, notably, late in the fourth quarter when we were putting in the whole second string, uh, it was Van Opstel and Spencer Brown who came in at the the backup tackle spots. So it looks like that backup left to right is Van Opstel, Carrick, Samek, Boyder, Brown. Um, so you know. In case of injuries, in case of poor performance, whatever, those are your backups, it seems. That's the full second string. 
But yeah, that offensive line, man, that was the most impressive thing for me taking away from this game. Obviously, Kenneth Walker, but the way that that offensive line just transformed itself. We haven't seen a line open up holes like that since 2015. And so if if that's going to be a recurring theme through this year, definitely look out. All right, now on the defensive side of the ball, there there was a little bit more uh a little bit more negative takeaways. I think the defense did awesome. Don't don't get me wrong, man. We were we were out there making plays in the backfield, stuffing the running game. There's a little more cause for concern in the defensive backfield. I'll get to that. But the defensive line, there was the rotation, first of all, was not exactly what we expected, right? Simeon Barrow came in. I, I don't know if he started. I think he was on that first line, but he was playing early and often. Um, Jeff Piotrowski was in there a lot. Kyle King was in there more than we thought. They were rotating these guys like crazy. They were stunting these guys like crazy. We we were end up able to get a bit of a four-man pass rush in there. I know we only had three sacks, and I know two of them, at least. I know uh, Xavier Henderson had one, and I know Quiveris Crouch had one. Um, who was the other sack was Ronald Williams. So none of the sacks were actually by defensive linemen, which would tell you that the four-man pass rush didn't get home. But I thought they were able to move the pocket. They were able to... Uh, just get in Hunter Johnson's face just enough, especially as the game wore on. I noted that, that that as the third quarter came through, as the fourth quarter came through, they were starting to get home a little bit more. And that's just due to the, the rotation, right? When you have six, seven, eight guys that you're constantly rotating in there between Hunt, Mallory, Slade, King, Petrovsky, uh, on the outside, Beasley, Panashuk. Uh, I saw Tank Brown in there a little bit towards the end. I saw Fletcher in there a little bit towards the end. I saw a lot of Drew Jordan who looked really good. When you're rotating eight guys in there, I mean, you're just constantly putting fresh bodies in there and, and you can see them kind of wearing down that Northwestern offensive line as the game went on. Not able to get home again, but I, I thought that they looked really good in, in terms of how they they work together on those stunts, how they work together rotating was pretty impressive. Deshaun Mallory, I wrote down, he he looked really good, slimmed down. Um, a lot of people were worried about how he would hold up in the running game at under two under three hundred pounds. Thought he looked really good. Uh, and again, I, the one notable thing in terms of the rotation, again, we saw more of Barrow than we saw. We saw more of Petrovsky than we thought. We saw more of King than we thought. I saw a lot less Michael Fletcher than I thought. That was surprising a little bit. Tank Brown, again, we we mentioned that I, I didn't think he would have a huge role early just you know due to changing positions, coming in in the summer. I, I didn't think he would be out there right away. So him only getting a few snaps, most of it in the second half, wasn't really surprising. But Michael Fletcher, I thought, was going to have a bigger role for this team. That's going to be something to monitor. I didn't see a lot of him. At linebacker, uh, shout out SL Brownie, shout out Scott Brown for calling Cal Halliday. I, I did not see that coming. You know, we talked about the hot takes right before we, during that Northwestern preview and, and Scott L Brown said that Cal Halliday was going to be a starting linebacker. And, uh, I said, probably not. You know, I think there's, there's five linebackers on this team that could play a lot. 
and I think you only got two spots and I, I just didn't see it coming. And, and Cal Holiday was out there starting no gloves, just out there old school. I loved that, that, that he, he had a little bit of the, the water boy to him. They just kind of running around with, with no gloves and no swag whatsoever. But just, I thought he was the best linebacker on the field. I, I thought he played a tremendous game. I thought he was filling the run game well. I thought his ability to cover backs out of the backfield, you could see some burst um, when when he read the play that he would get out there. He would set an edge. I, I thought Cal Holiday played some great football on Friday night. I want to make sure that he he doesn't go unnoticed. Coiveros Crouch, uh, he played better as the game went on. Early, I was I was he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. He got lost on a couple pass plays, uh, you know, got lost in coverage. Uh, he didn't really fill as as aggressively as I thought he would. But as the game went on, I think he settled in. He started to play a really nice game. Uh, he had that that sack late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, I want to say, where uh, he really impressive pass rushing moves uh, to get past that that guard. Uh, showing his versatility. Crouch just got better and better as the game went on. I still think he's going to be our best linebacker this year, but Halliday was awesome, man. That that was really nice to see. Uh, a, a linebacker that's able to cover a back out of a backfield, huh? Man, we haven't seen that in a while. Um, Noah Harvey coming in on the red zone package. I, I don't mind that. You know, I've I've talked pretty publicly about my disdain for Noah Harvey on the football field. But if we're just going to bring him in in the red zone and he can go out there as that traditional like 90s middle linebacker where he just flies into the A-gap and and tries to make plays there and doesn't have to go out and cover a tight end, doesn't have to go out there and 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 chase down a running back on, on an outside play, I, I think that's okay. I think if that's going to be the Noah Harvey role, I'm okay with it. Um, Chase Klein had a, a couple nice plays. He had a really good uh, pass breakup down the field on a on a wide receiver, making a play on the ball. I, I thought he had a good game when he was in there. So I think between what we saw with Crouch and Holiday, I think what we saw with Klein was was intriguing. I thought Harvey being in that kind of red zone package. Van Summeren got in there, didn't really make a whole lot of an impact, didn't really do as much as I thought he would. Uh, played okay, but you know didn't didn't have any any pop plays. Didn't have anything that made you go wow. Whereas Cal Holiday had a lot. Uh, Crivers Crouch had a few. So I, I think this linebacker group is definitely better than we were last year. Outside of obviously Antoine Simmons, but that linebacker group last year outside of Simmons was brutal. Uh, this year it looks really improved, and and the depth is certainly there. And they rotated those guys in quite a bit. And so where Mel Tucker said, you know, we got five guys that we trust, you could see that because all five of them played a lot and and not just late in the fourth quarter. They were rotating these guys in in the second, third quarter. Um, So that's going to be an interesting, again, kind of position battle that isn't finished, I think. The, The way that they were rotating those guys all game long makes me think that they're not certain. I think coming out of this game, they should be, though, because Cal Holiday played a hell of a ball game. Defensive backs, this is uh, one cause for concern and one thing that was really exciting. I want to start with the optimistic side and say the open field tackling by the defensive backs was massive in this game. 
that was that was awesome. The the way that they rallied to the football and did not allow people to get yards after the catch. And we saw that especially late when we're winning and we're, you know, playing a little bit softer coverage, keeping everything in front of you, go up, make the tackle. And it was it was machinery. It was beautiful. Uh, it was really, really impressive. Xavier Henderson, I don't think he missed a tackle all game. He was awesome out there. A couple tackles for loss, a sack, making every play that was needed of him. Kalon Gervin was in his bag, man. He was awesome. He got beat on a spectacular catch by Northwestern early in the game, but then I don't think he allowed another catch the rest of the game. He had that pass breakup on fourth down. Uh, to force a turnover on downs. He was awesome. They didn't really throw his way. I, again, we talked about him last year. I think he he went under the radar as, as one of the better players on this defense. He was great. Uh, the other side is the cause for concern there. Ronald Williams got beat four times that I saw. And while the potential is certainly there, and he flashed it a couple times, uh, there, there was that deep ball. It was like 50 yards to to Robinson on Northwestern where he got beat and beat pretty bad, uh, and, and he couldn't catch up. So that long speed worries me a little bit with Williams. Uh, I don't want to have to rotate help over the top of him if, if we're going up against a Jahan Dotson on Penn State who is out there making plays against uh, you know Wisconsin where he can get, he can get deep on you. And so if, if we're lining up Ronald Williams against a guy like that, that's going to worry me because I saw Robinson beat him off the line and then just continue to separate down the field because Ronald Williams just couldn't keep up. So I, I, that worried me a little bit. Um, he got beat on a slant. He got beat. Uh, they, they were coming out of their own red zone. Robinson beat him on a double move. Uh, again, he flashed his potential a couple times, but that was the biggest question mark coming out of this game was, is Ronald Williams going to hang on to that job? Is someone like Chester Kimbrough going to step up and, and try to contend for that job this week in practice? Uh, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on next week. Is there some rotation there? Is there some... Is there somebody new in that spot? Because I thought uh, Williams was going to come in and, and be one of our best players on defense. Um, he might have been the worst player on the defense uh, in that game. So that's going to be something I'm going to be watching for sure. Because, uh, again, I, I said it before the season. The corners are going to to dictate a lot of how this team plays this year. And if they just keep getting beat like we did at times last year, that's that's going to be tough. And Ronald Williams got beat a couple times. And I believe in him. I believe in the talent to come back from it. Uh, but he's certainly going to have to do that because it was tough at times. Um, like I said, Kalen Gervin played awesome on the other side. So we just need to we need to shore up that spot. And if it's Williams, he's going to go. have to go out there and prove it. The nickel, there was a couple good players. Uh, I saw Michael Dowell making a couple plays. I saw Darius Snow making a couple plays. He blew up a screen pass for a tackle for loss. Uh, Angelo Gross played pretty well, all things considered. Didn't didn't give up anything over the top, and that's your job as a free safety. Came down, made some sure tackles. He missed one tackle. If you're there, was the the tight end coming over the middle. Uh, Gross tried to come in and just lower the shoulder on him without wrapping up and and running through him. He bounced off of him, but to his credit, 
he got right up, chased him down, and still made the tackle. So, so that just shows his kind of effort. But uh, yeah, that that was one missed tackle that I noticed, but he made up for it. He got up, he made the play. Yeah, defensive backs as as a whole, I thought played really well. But that corner one, corner two, whatever you want to call it, spot is is the one thing that worried me coming out of this game. Uh, specialists, Behringer had a couple nice punts. Uh, Coughlin, he he hit the field goal that he should have hit. You know, from sixty, that, that's that's a tough kick. You know, you're you're outdoors. I know Northwestern's got the long grass. Uh, that that's a tough kick to make. Obviously, uh, didn't really expect him to hit that, but. Them at least marching him out there shows that he has hit it in practice. So um, he certainly got the leg for it, but just didn't hit. That's okay. Um, nothing, nothing really lost there as it was uh, two seconds before halftime. Um, what else coming out of this? So just a couple general thoughts here, a couple of general things that I wrote down. The first Northwestern trip to the red zone was with three minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, at one point, we were out rushing Northwestern 161 to two. Uh, we were five for five in red zone scoring, eight yards per play. There was a lot of things to be really excited about. And the last thing, actually, I want to mention here, I want to make sure I give credit where credit's due. Jay Johnson, I thought, called a really good game for for 90% of that thing. I thought the the decision making at the end of the first half. We had an opportunity for a little two-minute drill there and and just had a weird clock management. I don't know what we were doing there. We like ran the ball a couple times, and then we decided to throw it, and then we ran it again. If you remember, uh, Kenneth Walker went up the middle for like 20 yards and then dove down to, to, to make sure we, that we can go and stop the clock. But that was weird clock management on that drive as a whole. Um, yeah, the, there was a bunch of stuff that, that was kind of head-scratching but as all in all, again, 90% of the game plan, I, I really liked what Jay Johnson was doing. The biggest thing was we didn't get away from what was working. Kenneth Walker off tackle to the left side was a dominating play. And we didn't, we didn't go to get away from that. We kept running it. We, we kept running the ball. We kept doing what was working and he didn't try to, you know, show off and, and run his fun play action pass so we could hit a deep shot. And he just did what was working. And I give him a lot of credit for that. So Jay Johnson, I thought, called a good game. Uh, Scotty Hazelton called a good game on defense. Mel Tucker had these guys ready to play week one. I didn't expect to be this excited about this season coming out of this game, man. We both predicted a win. I thought, this could be a, a little kind of springboard for us to have a nice bowl season. I don't know what this changes the expectations, man. And I'll have to sit down and think about this. We'll have to talk with Scott about it when he comes back. Cause I don't know what to expect now. He had the seven wins. I had the six wins predicted on the schedule is eight on the table is nine on the table. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's exciting, man. This, this is really I'm happy to just see football again, but man, it felt good to go out there and just punish somebody with your offensive line to just run the ball down their throat. We haven't been able to do this in years, man. It feels so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to sign off here, but I, I'm really 
Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this season is going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot in store for you. So make sure that you are subscribed if you're not already. Make sure you're telling your friends and your family about the Standing Room Spartans podcast. We've been having a lot of fun, a lot of good interaction. Um, it's new ways to follow us. Um, so on social media, obviously, you know, the Twitter is at Standing Room MSU. Also, make sure you're following Scott. It's at Spartan Martin 18. And we just started up a Facebook group. Um, we thought that would be fun uh, and kind of a, a standing room Spartans bubble, if you will. You know, the with Twitter, everybody out there is following 200, 400, 800 people. So the the conversations, they get lost in the shuffle, the, the posts, they get lost in the shuffle. So I wanted to make sure that we had a place where, you know, you could go and leave your comments and, and leave your feedback on an episode and you could kind of interact with each other um, is, is a big thing. So go on Facebook, search Standing Room Spartans Community. Um, there's a Facebook group there. It's public. Anybody can join it. We'll be posting all the episodes. We'll be posting all the blog posts. Um, so you can go on there, leave your comments. You can talk with each other about it. You can talk with us about it. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcast if you haven't already. And as we mentioned before, we are brought to you now by the Pigskin Podcast Network, something that's going to give us a lot of opportunities here this season. Uh, you know, we we have some things sort of lined up, but... Um, we'll, we'll make sure that we get with you as that comes along. Again, we're, we're hopefully going to, you know, have a chance to talk with these guys out of Miami football podcast and do kind of a crossover thing before that game. We saw Miami get blasted by Alabama. Now we have that in common with them. You know, we've both gotten blasted by Alabama in the past few years. Um, so that'll be fun. A lot of stuff down the pipeline. Go to the website at standingroomspartans.com. And uh, we, we've got a lot of posts up there. We've got our picks up there. You can make your fan picks every week. I took the crown last week over Scott. I went four and two on our picks. Um, I'm going to just put this out into the universe. I know it's going to bite me in the ass, and I know I'm going to go incredibly cold for the next couple weeks. I am 12 and one to start my my gambling year on college football. Um, before I say that, I mean, I, I'm only betting a couple dollars here and there, uh, only bet what you feel comfortable burning in a bonfire. That's, that's what my parents told me. And I stick to that. Um, but I, I'm on a heater here to start the year. I went, uh, I went winless or I went, uh, undefeated, I guess you would call it, uh, here on Saturday. Um, I, I had Michigan state money line. I had Michigan state plus three and a half. And I had Michigan State plus one and a half uh, as a first half total. Uh, I I had the the Alabama Miami under. I had Penn State money line to win that Wisconsin game, and that was the difference between the picks here for me and Scott this week. Um, I'm hot, so so hopefully we can keep that going. I'm knocking on wood if you can hear it. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun here. Football is back. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, Scott and I are really excited for for some of the stuff we're going to be able to do here this season. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Scott will be back on the podcast in a couple days here, so don't worry. Uh, you're not going to get me alone for too much longer. 
And uh, yeah, hopefully this is the only episode that I have to do alone because my voice is killing me after just talking to a microphone for 40 minutes uh, or however long this ends up being. But enjoy your guys' Labor Day. Um, enjoy the week, the rest of the weekend. Uh, go green, man. This is awesome to start the season with a big win like this. Enjoy Labor Day weekend. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green, go white. Take care, folks.